Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and it's really good to have you with us here. Happy Groundhog Day uh, tomorrow. That's what the rest of us do when our team doesn't make the Super Bowl. We go to the next holiday to cope. And so, uh, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> but it's good to have, be with you all this morning, and glad you could be with us. Um, I hope you, hope you enjoy uh, the Super Bowl today. If not the Super Bowl, at least the commercials, okay? Uh, enjoy those. We've got a few things in the bulletin. I hope you've gotten a bulletin this morning and a few things I want to let you know about. First, on the very back, the Lazy Retreat is coming up here in March, and it's called Stepping Out. And so, guys, ladies, uh, be excited about this. Be looking for the sign-up sheet that's going to be coming up, and, and we're going to be having it here in Alton uh, at the, where the Holiday Inn used to be. I guess the, it's called something else, the Atrium Hotel now. But they're, uh, they're planning that as we speak. Uh, the ladies were getting together this morning to talk about uh, all the different topics. And that's coming up. Also inside, just wanted to mention, uh, Zach Kimball was baptized last Sunday. And there's Zach right there. Can you stand up, Zach? At least say hi. There he is. <laughs> Real excited. It's exciting, Zach, to see uh, you in the kingdom here, you know. So that was awesome last, uh, last Sunday. So uh, congratulations. And um, praise God. Also, uh, you're going to notice right below Zach's mugshot there, there's a little thing here in a bulletin. <laughs> uh, February 28th at Metro Sports, is, we're having, Discoveryland is having a, a polar plunge. Now, I know some families may be thinking, are you going to have my kids jumping in a pond somewhere? Because isn't that what, no, no, we're going to be having, it's a, it's a two-hour party at Metro Sports inside, heated pool, along with other activities. And uh, it's, it's for our families uh, with uh, kids from birth to fifth grade. And uh, it's only a buck. Hope you will uh, take the time to uh, look that over and uh, invite some friends to this thing. We have invitations. Your children are getting invitations today to invite their friends. Also inside, uh, this was inside is a leaflet about a marriage retreat that's uh, offered by Christian Family Services. There's your details about it. If you want to know more, I'd suggest you talk to somebody at the Welcome Center. Maybe they could help you out there as well. But that's, what's, that's what we have in the bulletin. You're probably going to notice the notes today are a little different today. I decided to fill in the blanks for you. That way you don't have to guess. And You know, it's a big game. What, is, what, what's, what words are Tim, is Tim going to use in the notes? Well, we've eliminated that, so you can pay attention hopefully better. I have provided some lines there for you. Maybe you're going to jot something down. You'd like to jot something down as we, as we cover this lesson today. We're in a series of uh, lessons called, Who Do You Say I Am? And it's based on a question Jesus asked his disciples. Here it is up on the screen. Uh, and he basically, he just, after asking who other people say, he looks at his disciples, the people that are following him, and says, Well, what about you? Who do you say I am? You know, it tells you something. It doesn't matter what other people think about Jesus. It matters what you think about Jesus, huh? It really does. And that's what this series, hopefully, is going to help you and I discover, that there are things about Jesus maybe we've never thought about before. That, and by looking at these different things, the different names of Jesus or different ideas of Jesus, we will get a deeper, richer understanding of who we're following. It will make you more, even more committed, more grateful to God as we look at this as we look at Jesus Christ in detail. Now today we're looking at a, a, a particular topic that um, a lot of people uh, already think they know quite a bit about, including myself, and, and yet studying this topic, I realize that there's a little bit more to it than, 
than I've assumed. You know, everybody knows that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Am I right about that? You talk to anybody, whether they know the Bible a lot or well or, or, they're, or they're novices at the Scriptures and they don't know much in the Scriptures, they'll tell you, if you ask them about Jesus Christ, what, what is it you notice about Jesus? Oh, he was a friend of everybody. And that's true. He was called the friend of tax collectors and sinners. There's no one in history that's been more inclusive of the brokenhearted than Jesus Christ. Nobody that's ever been on this planet that was more inclusive of the outsider like Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? That's true. He had that reputation. But did you know this? Did you know that when he was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners, it was really a criticism? It wasn't a compliment at all. I mean, look at this. Look at the passage. Here's an example. We find this in three of the four Gospels. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke this particular passage and this particular event. He's, he ha- Jesus happens to be speaking to his generation. He says, what can I compare this generation to? And he says, you know, John the Baptist came and didn't eat anything, and you thought he was demon-possessed. I come along, and he, and I, and he goes, Son of Man came. By the way, we're going to be talking about the Son of Man next week. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man more than anything else. Did you know that? We're going to look at that next week. Because the Son of Man came, he's referring to himself, eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So this really was a criticism that was given to Jesus, not a compliment at all. And yet Jesus embraces this persona or this idea of, I am a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We're going to see that here in a minute. But I've got to ask something. This is what I did. I, I looked at this passage and I asked myself, was Jesus a glutton? How would you answer that question? Of course not. Was he a drunk? Is the answer yes or no, folks? No. Was he a friend of tax collectors and sinners? Are you sure? How can they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Think about this. How can this statement be true and false at the same time? Because see, I don't think he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners like they thought. If they were mistaken that he was a glutton and were mistaken that he was a drunk, they were probably mistaken that he was a friend of tax collectors, at least in their minds, on how they approached that. See, this was a this is a insult toward Jesus. This was not a compliment. They were trying to say, hey, you're kind of in there with the rest of them practicing what they do. And we know Jesus did not practice the things that that the people he hung with and lived with and ate with. He didn't do that at all. I read where somewhere what not only was Jesus known throughout history as someone that included the outcast, he was also known, no one else in history, more intolerant of people who wouldn't change. Jesus loved the sinner, but he hated the sin, right? And but see this is this that's why I want us to look at this because see I think we can kind of we can twist this if we're not careful. We can take a passage like this and and ethically and doctrinally stretch it a little bit to include all kinds of concepts in our mind when it comes to being a friend of worldly people. See, the critics misunderstood what 
what friendship with Jesus was about. And I just wonder if we misunderstand the friendship of Jesus. And I mean, that includes thinking that my friendship with Jesus is so conditional on my behavior. That's one problem. The other being, it doesn't matter what I do, we're buddies. Kind of like that guy in Talladega Nights, Cal. I kind of like to think Jesus, you know, well, he's wearing one of them uh, T-shirts that looks like, you know, like a suit. He's formal, but he likes to party. I mean, you'd be, you, we, we, I mean, I laugh at that, but I'll tell you what, guys, I wonder how, how much we've misunderstood what friendship with Jesus is about. It ain't easy being a friend of Jesus sometimes. You know, for example, we can take this idea of Jesus ate with sinners and equate that to he loves to party. I've got a song that, that um, a popular song, Gretchen Wilson, Here for the Party. And I was listening to it on my way to church. Would not recommend that. Well, I'm an eight-ball-shooting, double-fisted, drinking son of a gun. I wear my jeans too tight just to watch the little boys come undone. I'm here for the beer and the ball-busting band. Going to get a little crazy just because I can. You know I'm here for the party. I ain't leaving until they throw me out. Going to have a little fun. Going to get me some. You know I'm here. I'm here for the party. Okay. And a lot of times people think, oh, Jesus is here for the party. And I want you to know Jesus was not here for the party. He's here for the people. Big difference. We're going to see that in a minute. But we get this idea, you know, he ate with sinners, so he must love to party. So to be like Jesus, I'm going to love to party. I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself at Super Bowl today. Don't. I'm not saying, you know, you know, uh, be a sourpuss at parties and stuff. But it's more than parties. You know, the idea we get this, and, and, and it, kind of, it kind of morphs into other things, guys. Jesus ate with sinners, so he loves to party. Maybe Jesus just hung out, yucking, you know, he just kind of hung out, yucking it up with sinners. That's what he was doing. And that's what I do as a Christian. I'm going to be like Jesus and kind of yuck it up with people. Really? Is that being like Christ? Yes, he did enjoy himself. But is that what being a friend like Jesus is about? And it kind of morphs maybe even to something even further. Jesus associated with sinners, therefore he condoned their sinful behavior. He was okay with it. There was no one more intolerant, I read, uh, of sin than Jesus. In fact, I, when I was preparing for this lesson, I read a little, a little blip. A guy said he did not blow bubbles at those that violated the Torah. Hey, man, do your own thing, man. You're okay, I'm okay. Whatever's right. If it works for you, <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't about that. And then it also, you know, we can get misunderstand that being like Jesus means I must compromise my convictions. If I'm going to be friends with somebody in the world, then um, it probably means, you know, becoming all things to all men to win a few, so therefore I'm going to have to drop my convictions and compromise in order to um, reach people. And nowhere does the Bible support that, that we're to compromise our convictions. And Jesus, guys, Jesus never compromised his convictions when he was with sinners. Now, when I say today 
we're going to be, you know, it's hard to say he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's a lot. And I spit on people when I say that. I spit on a few people today trying to explain what I was talking about before the services. So when I say something like Jesus spent time with sinners or he was a friend of sinners, I hope you know he spent time with fellow sinners because we all are sinners. Even the best of us are still sinners. But I want to specifically talk about this idea of how can I be a friend with somebody in the world? Because the Bible talks about things. It's confusing sometimes because you read the Scriptures and you get the idea we're not to be friends. Of, have, in fact, I think James, it says, friendship with the world is idolatry. And we're told in Romans not to conform to the pattern of this world. And the Bible says evil companions corrupt good character in 1 Corinthians 15. I mean, you've got all these verses that say, be careful, don't be contaminated by the world. How do I reconcile those kind of thoughts with I'm to be a friend and imitate and imitate the life of Christ in our world? First of all, I want to tell you that it's important that we don't become like the world, but we cannot escape the world. We're to be in the world to help people. That's what we're here for. And so and it's it's great that Jesus, guys, Jesus stepped into your life stepped into your sinful, messed up, screwed up world, and he didn't get dirty ever. In fact, you got clean. He didn't get contaminated. So maybe if I would, my approach to friendships in the world, maybe I can not be contaminated by the world and help people get clean. Huh? See, this friendship with Jesus, it's... This idea of friendship with the world, I can learn so much about how to be a friend to my worldly, to my worldly friends like Christ when I look at that relationship He has with me. When I just think about, you know, we sing that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We don't sing it much around here, but it's a true statement. You know? But you know, this idea of friendship, that passage I just showed you where He says, uh, you're a friend of tax collectors and sinners, is the same, same word, that word friendship, is the Greek word phytos. Uh, and it means to, to be acquaintance, to be connected to, to be joined to. So they were trying to say, hey, you're, you're, all, you're joined with all these sinners. Uh, by the way, he's going to say, oh, I'm supposed to be. And to follow Christ, there is an element of that we're to follow too. We're not to live insulated from the world. But in such a way that can change the world. Three out of the four Gospels I mentioned a minute ago have this idea of Jesus being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And by the way, John shows examples of him being a friend of the riffraff, low life, despicable, backward, outside, sinful, filthy, whatever you want to call them. Why is this in the Bible so much? And this, by the way, this idea of Jesus being a friend of tax collectors and sinners is a label the world would put on him. And I want you to know, you want the world to call you this too. You want to have this reputation. Even if they misunderstand it, they need to know that Christians, that a Christian, a disciple, wants to express the love and friendship of God to someone who's lost. You follow me so far? Well, we don't have to fill any blanks, so 
Why don't we just get into this lesson then, okay? So what can I learn from this friendship with Jesus that I have, that you have? What can I learn from it? Well, first of all, a great friendship. Notice it says here, uh, Jesus is my greatest friend because Jesus wants to be with me. I know that sounds almost insulting, but guys, not everybody wants to be with me. I know this every Sunday. I stand out there, and I'm not asking you to barrage me this morning. But I stand out there and watch you go, I'm... you know, I see that. I turn heads the other way. I get it. Okay? You know, but, but you know, there's some people who don't want to be with you either. You probably see it in my eyes. Oh, no, here they come. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. You know, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, uh, but, but Jesus wants to be with you. That's, I know it's, a, it's, it's such a simple thing, but what a profound thing. What a wonderful thought that the Son of God wants to be, that deity, God in the flesh, wants to, I'm, un, I'm, I'm unworthy, I'm sinful, I'm messed up, I'm dirty, I'm filthy. I want to be with you, Tim. Why? Because I want to be. I need a bath. I can take care of that, too. That's why I want to be with you, Tim. And that's why he wants to be with you. He's your greatest friend because of this desire. In the middle of God's heart is this desire to be next to you, to be close to you. In fact, he initiated that step. He took the first step and he initiated that. Guys, you and I, God interrupted our lives to get close to us. Right? Yeah, praise God. He's that kind of friend that butts his nose in your business. Look what it says here in Luke 15. What a passage here. Here's another passage in Luke. He says, Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen, often came to, G, to, listen to Jesus teach. Isn't that interesting? He said, what, do we, what, what does Luke notice? People of the world loved. They were drawn to Jesus. And they came to him. You know, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating, underline that word associating, associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. What's it mean he's associating with them, Tim? Well, Jesus associates with two types of sinners, saved ones and lost ones. So, and you say, okay, Tim, so what are you trying to say? I'm simply saying is, he wants, to sp- he wants to be close to you. He wants to be with you. And He wants to be with everybody else. This word associating, if you look it up in, in the synonyms, are kind of like this. He's co- in other words, He's connecting with people. He's socializing with people. He's joining sinners. Yes, the Bible says to be cautious in friendship. In friendships, of course, it says that. And yes, it calls us to be separate from the world, to live a distinctive life. Jesus was, guys, there was nobody more separate than Jesus, right? Talk about clearly different than everybody else, and yet he put himself in to this filth, filthy cesspool, this world. Why? Why would he come from heaven, which is so? Beautiful, so perfect, and come down to a busted, broken place like this. He wanted to. 
He wanted to. What a desire. I want to imitate that. How about you? I want to remember that you know Jesus wants to be with sinners, and he wants to because I'm one of them. He's with, but he also wants to be with other sinners. Look what it says here in Luke 19. It's a story about Zacchaeus. We all know that. Remember that that song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was. I caught you. He climbed up a sycamore tree, you know. And, and what was he? He was a short guy. And he, he can't see. Nobody will let him through the crowd. He climbs up a tree. And then here comes Jesus walking by. And it says, look what it says here in verse 5. It says, when Jesus got there, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to stay with you today. He doesn't go, hey, Zacchaeus, how about you and me? I need to talk to you. Meet me around No, he says it loud enough for everybody to hear. I want to be with you today. And the crowd's like, huh? What? You mean me, Jesus? No, that guy up there. That's Zacchaeus. He's a Jew. He works for the Roman government. He's a tax collector. And you want to spend time with him? I want to stay with him today. All day. Not a little meet and greet moment. Let's take three minutes and meet and greet each other. How you doing? Good to see you. Never talk to you again for the rest of the day. He says, I want to see you all day. And what do we learn? He eats with Zacchaeus, and for some reason, I wonder why, Zacchaeus stands up and says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay back how many times? Four times is what I've cheated anybody. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Oh my goodness. He's saying it out loud. I want to be with you, and you're, and you're right with God now. And look what it says here in verse 7. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man, Zacchaeus, is a sinner. And Jesus is going home to eat with him. And his response is, yeah, well, the Son of Man came to look for and save people who are lost. One translation says, the Son of Man is searching for people like this. And you can't find them. I'll say it this way. You can't find as many of them when you're sitting in a building. I want to say to you, those of you who are in this building, you're lost. You may not even realize it. But you're, you've lost your way somehow. You're a sinner and you're, you're messed up. Some of you do know this. I want to say to you, if you ever wonder if Jesus has lost interest in you, I want to tell you with clear confidence, He has never lost interest in you. Never. Especially if you're lost. Why is that? Because... When he talks and says there in Luke 15 that he is associating with despicable people, he tells three parables to, to convince you and I that he wants to be with you. It's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And all three end up with a happy ending because all three are found to be with the one that was searching for them. And I want you to know this morning, I want you to know this morning, that Jesus Christ, God wants to be with you so bad, He will leave. He'll leave the church building to go search for you. Doesn't He care about me? I'm here. I mean, I've been faithful. Of course, He He loves you. It isn't that He loves lost people more. He wants. You're here. You're. If you're a Christian, you're in the kingdom of God. Listen, you're in the kingdom of God because. Because of God's love, because of His friendship, He wants that other person out there to know.
how's he going to get out there? Isn't he going to use other people who imitate this idea of friendship with the world? Of course. Jack Hiles, an old Baptist preacher I used to listen to in the 70s, was talking about how he was having a conversation with Jesus. And he goes, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, you're a friend of tax collectors and sinners? Yes, that's right. I, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm going to be with people that probably you're not comfortable with. But, well, I know you eat, I know you eat with sinners. I, and he says, I know you run with the Pharisees. I get that. I see that. I see you at Zacchaeus' house. I read the Bible. I see how you picked a tax collector to be one of the twelve disciples. I see that too. And I also see you touching, touching the lepers and hanging around dirty publicans and, and women cutting adultery around you and, and all these riffraff and, and all this, all these uh, rejects and outsiders. I see it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Why? Don't you understand, Tim? Don't you understand, Jack? I was numbered with the transgressors. That's what Isaiah 53 says about me. It was God's will that I be numbered with the transgressors. What do you mean numbered with the transgressors? That I was supposed to be with them. I was supposed to associate with them. You can't save anybody, Tim, unless you're numbered with the transgressors. Praise God, He's numbered amongst us. Therefore, I give him a portion among the great. He's talking about Jesus here in Isaiah. And he will, div- he will divide the spoils with the strong. Be- what a victory is what he's saying. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with, not alongside, with them, with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The message says it this way. Because he embraced the company of the lowest. God's Word translates and says it this way, He was counted with sinners. Jesus Christ wants to be with you, and He wants to be with anybody, any sinner, whosoever would come to Him. Too often, see guys, I tell you, and this is, this is something that just naturally happens to us if you stop and think about it as Christians. The older we get in Christian faith, our circle of worldly friends begins to get smaller and our circle of Christian friends gets, gets bigger. Am I right? Did Jesus' circle of friendships with the world get smaller or bigger as He was on the planet? He had 12 disciples. And His, his influence and focus got larger when it comes to the world. You follow me? I mean, are most of your friends Christians? Well, we're not to be like, you know, I'm not associated. Some of these people, Tim, you know, man, i got to be careful. I've got an alcohol problem and I don't want to be hanging around drunks. I get that. Use your head here. Yeah, God didn't say just whatever. I get that. But has your friendship with the world gotten smaller? That circle of friends that you're trying to help gotten smaller? Because you've, your Christian friends have crowded out your time? Guys, I, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't spend time together. and We should spend time together. There's strength in numbers. There's, it's powerful. We're to do that. But heaven forbid that we become a church that focuses on teaching without reaching. 
that all we do is get together in our discipleship groups and teach something cool, and we have no intention of reaching anyone, no intention of ever broadening this, this focus. Well, I'm afraid I'll get contaminated by the world. It's amazing to me Jesus never got contaminated. And maybe it's because, oh, he was supernatural. He was a human being, just like you and I. Maybe it's because his focus and his purpose kept him pure. That's challenging when you stop and think about it. Jesus wants to be with you, and he feels the same way. Look what he says in Romans 12. Be friendly with everyone. Don't be proud and feel that you are smarter than others. Make friends with ordinary people. Can I have some fun with this passage? Here's Tim Gill translation. Be friendly with people everywhere and with everyone. Don't think you're better than everybody else because you're a Christian, because you're not. Make friends with these worldly people that you work with. Make friends with these worldly people that you are going to school with. Yeah, don't, don't let it influence you. You influence them. Number two, he's a great friend. Be a great friend is what I'm telling you. Follow Jesus here on this one. Be a great friend because Jesus really cares. How do I know he's a great friend? He really cares about me. He doesn't just say it. He shows it. See, the critics are talking. They're talking away, and, and they, they start questioning his disciples about Jesus, which, by the way, we're going to get lots of questions about Jesus when you're following him. You're going to get the right questions. You're going to get some critics. Look at it. It says here, what kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus overheard, oops, <laughs> overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Go figure out what the Scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. You know, it's amazing to me. Jesus attracted, he had no trouble attracting outsiders. He attracted some shady people, some messed up, screwed up people. He had no trouble in that. Pharisees? They repelled people. Let me ask you this morning, are you somebody that attracts sinners or repels them? And you get an idea of who you really are like. Jesus or some crusty old Christian that's self-righteous and full of pride. And I just, I just look at this and I'm just so humbled by it. How in the world, why, Jesus, are you so... Why are outsiders so attracted to you? He goes, well, Tim... Outsiders are attracted to me because they know I care on the inside. I don't just talk. I do it. Look at this passage in the NIVR, the reader's edition of NIV. It says here, when he saw the crowds, he felt deep concern for them. They were treated badly and were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, too busy. So we're too busy looking at how immoral somebody is, ungodly they are. And I'm not saying it won't escape your notice, but Jesus saw deeper than that. And when you care, you see deeper than that. And he saw people that were treated badly. I watch the world. I, I watch TV sometimes, and I, watch, I, I get on YouTube and see some stuff, and I go, look how messed up we are. Look how messed up people can get. And I don't sit there and go, 
I don't know how stupid, you know, you deserve to go to hell. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my gosh, they're treated so badly. They have no, no moorings, no spiritual moorings, no, no direction in their life. Let me tell you, when you, see, when you start looking at people like that, you're more like Christ and less like the American Christian. He felt for them. He felt deep concern for them. See, people weren't drawn to Jesus because he coddled them. They weren't drawn to him because he compromised what he believed. They were drawn to him because he was clear. And he was clear because he cared. The greatest way to show love for friends, he says, is to die for them. So Jesus let go of himself, let go of his prestige, his preferences, all this. He let go of his place in heaven so he could show at the full extent the greatest display of His love on the cross. In Romans 5, it says it this way. You know, He says, for a righteous man, someone might dare to die. There's some people that will throw themselves in front. Uh, uh, if somebody's going to shoot them, they'll throw, the, throw themselves in front of a bullet. We've seen, we have examples of that. The president and other people, they'll throw themselves and take the bullet. I get that. But will they take a bullet for me? Will somebody take a bullet for you? You know, for a good man, in Romans it says, people talk about it. Would I, would I lay my life down? Would I risk my life? I know a fellow uh, years ago who was a foreman uh, where I worked in a factory I worked, and a couple of boys were drowning in the little Wabash River, and he ran out to try to save them and died in the process. All three perished. One of them was his son. Another one was just a friend. And it rarely it happens. I get it. But what about the stranger? What about the scum? What about the person that just has no usefulness at all? What about me? So God put His love on the line for us by offering His Son in sacrificial death while we, while we, not after we, while we, were of no use whatever to Him. While we were still sinners. Will you clean up a little bit and maybe we can talk. Now while you're filthy, while, while you fall short, while you're in that stronghold, while you're in that habit, I'm going to care for you and do what needs to be done to save you. Praise God we have a friend like that. Praise God, He's the greatest friend of all. I want you to know there's a couple of things I want to say to you before I leave this point. One is, no matter what you've done, Jesus cares for you. He really does care for you. No matter what's happened to you, and it's important, some of you need to know this, no matter what's happened to you, He really does care about you. And what will happen to you, He's going to care for you there too. But there's a second thing I want us all to understand here this morning. He feels that way about other people. He feels the same way about that family member that's a mess in, in your family. That friend at work, you think, that's just so upside down. That person you meet on the street that doesn't know where to turn. He cares about them the same way He cares about you. 
How much do you really care about lost people around you? How much do you really how much of a friend are you really being? Look at the Bible says here by a fella who used he used to want lightning to be called down from heaven and nuke people. He used to feel that way. Look what he says now. Let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. You know, loving people doesn't mean you condone their behavior. Loving people doesn't... If anything, you're saying, I'm putting up with some things. Loving people doesn't mean you're in favor of what they do. In other words, you accept what they do. No, loving them says, I notice you and I want to help you. That's the third thing I want you to see about Jesus being a great friend. He's a great friend because he wants what's best for me. It's always been about what's best. I read this somewhere this week. Spending time with those deemed unworthy by his, his society, Jesus was, it was, this was not a leisure activity for Jesus. It was an essential part of his mission. You know, Jesus was, he spent time with worldly people for a reason. And it wasn't just to have a good time. It was to bring out the best. It was to help them. You look at uh, Jesus when, when, when he calls Matthew. He calls Matthew to follow him. Matthew is a tax collector. He is not a popular guy uh, in, in his, in his uh, town. And look what Mark says about this. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, this is at Matthew's house, because Matthew's friends were also tax collectors and sinners. That's how only people would hang out with him. He brings them to his house. He says, they ask these disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's your question. What is the purpose of what you're doing, Jesus? And on hearing this, he said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You guys, Jesus had a deeper purpose than to have a good time. He was focused on something greater. And how do I know that? He, he says two things in this passage. He refers to himself as a doctor. And doctors just don't hang out with patients to yuck it up. In fact, when I've been to the doctor, they get right to the rat killing. What are you here for? Well, I've got this crook in my back. When I do this, it hurts. Well, stop doing that. That's what he said to me. And he goes, I've always wanted to say that to somebody. I'm paying for this. Okay. Tell me something else. Hurry up. i got to go. You know, they're in and out. You know, he just didn't hang out. He, in other words, as a, he's saying, I'm a doctor. And I'm here, and I see the condition of people. I'm learning to recognize the spiritual condition of people. And I'm here to help them. I'm going to... He hung, Guys, he hung out to heal people. That's what it was about. I got to thinking about this, about doctors. Doctors can't help people who don't know him. And as assistant physicians in the kingdom of God, assistants of the great physician, that's what we're called to be, you can't help people that don't know you. So if your circle of friends of sick people is getting smaller, your, your, your practice is going to die. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. 
You've got to expand that practice. I want to help a bunch of people, Tim. So get to know people. Find out where they're hurting. You're there to help them heal. So doctors, that's one thing I realize about doctors. They can't help people they don't know. Therefore, I can't help anybody that doesn't know me. Also, doctors can't help people who refuse the diagnosis. They, they refuse the diagnosis as well as the remedy. You know, there's some people, they'll go to the doctor. The doctor will say, look, here's your problem. You need to do this and this and this and this. And they do the opposite or they just, just ignore it. What does the doctor do with patients like that? He drops them. He or she drops them. I know of people who went to the doctor and the doctor said, you need to work on this. You're going to you're be really getting in bad shape. They go, okay, okay, okay. But then they do the opposite. They, they don't get in contact with the doctor. The doctor can't get in talk, contact with them. And guess what happens? The doctor says, well, I guess you don't want my help. Therefore, I'm going to drop you. Guys, there's a lesson here. You don't have to be friends with everybody. Because some people don't want your help. And if you're not careful, you have too many of those kinds of people. They jam your schedule so much you can't help those that want it. See, Jesus is a friend, a real friend. And a friend knows when they're wasting their time. Did he lie? Uh, you know, a rich man comes up. Uh, you know, Jesus looks at him and loves him, the Bible says. And he says, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And what does the man do? He walks away. Does Jesus walk after him? Wait a minute, buddy. I like you. I want to be friends. He lets him go. You can't help people that don't want it. And another thing about a doctor I notice is, is that you cannot be a good doctor for those who do not believe they're sick. And I, I feel like Jesus kind of helps help helping me kind of prioritize here. I think there's front burner people and back burner people in my life. And you're probably going to notice this when you're dealing with friendships. There's some people that are going to listen and, and they're going, they want to know and they want to get help. And man, you put them on the front burner. But there's some that go, I don't even think I'm sick. I don't think I need anything. You know what you got to do? You got to put them on the back burner. Just let them simmer a while. Let life turn up the heat. Let life Teach them a few lessons. The second thing I notice is he calls them. That to be a good friend, to really help people, I need to care. Sure, I need to you know get in there and get to know them and find their find out what they're they're struggling with and and offer some help but he also calls them he calls them to a decision remember he says there to not to call the righteous but sinners in other words a great friend has something to say a great friend has something to say and to teach look at this in John 15 Jesus said, you are my friends. By the way, that word friend there is the same word as friend of tax collectors and sinners. He says, you're my friend if you do what I command. So Jesus has been a friend to his disciples. And he says, you're my friends because you do what I command. You're listening to me. 
and good friends have something to say. Great friends have something challenging to say to their friends. I no longer call you servants. Why not? Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Can you see the implication here? Everything that we teach, guys, everything I'm learning, I'm to share. I'm to share with other people. So I can't just be teaching and teaching and no reaching. It's, 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 i got to have both happening in my life. But what I think is really interesting here is that Jesus is saying, I'm, the reason I'm, I'm a great friend to you, Tim, is because I don't leave you in the dark. I tell you what you need to hear. I tell you what you must know. Are you that kind of a friend? Or are you just going to yuck it up with your buddies? You see, Jesus teaches me something about friendships with the world. And what he teaches me is this. The best friendships are redemptive friendships. So this morning I want to ask you a couple of questions and we'll close this lesson out. First, do you have a redemptive friend? Do you have a friend that will speak into your life? Do you have a friend that's helping you know Jesus? That challenges your thoughts, your values, your behavior? that encourages you to be like Christ, who's that friend you have? And the other question is, are you that kind of friend? As we get together to watch Super Bowl at Super Bowl parties, are we just going to focus on players and commercials? Or will we focus? Will our focus go broader? In other words, are you here for the party or are you here for the people? If you don't have a friend that speaks into your life, I want you to know Jesus Christ would love to speak into your life, and he'll use another Christian to do that. That's why in this card that you have um, in the bulletin, it's a simple card. If you want to know more about Christ you can, or more about this church, check that box. In fact, if you want to know more about, about Greater Alton Church, just write down, sign me up for FYI, and we'll let you know when we offer that. But if you'd like something, you know, a little quicker, you know. I'd like to. I'd like to know a little bit more about what what is what is God's plan or purpose for my life. Why not check? I want a personal Bible study, and let someone open the Bible up, and you find out what friendship with Jesus is really all about. Maybe you've got a friend you want to pray for. Maybe you want to pray for your friendship factor. Like Lord, you know, I want to be bolder. I want to be. I want to be. I really want to care about this person. I have a difficulty caring about this person. Maybe you need to ask for prayers for that. Give me a kinder heart, a more caring heart, not such a self-righteous, smug attitude, but a, but a heart that breaks when I see people that are hurting and harassed and are searching and looking. Help me be that friend that helps them find what the what they need. Maybe there's some other prayer request you've got. You know, you'd like to make. You know, these prayer, these cards go to people who pray. I don't even know who they are anymore. They're they're so anonymous and they're under the radar. We don't know who those people are. I don't, but I know that what they do is they pray f- for you, and they don't go around talking about you. They talk to God about you, and so take advantage of the power of prayer this morning. There's a decision you need to make, or a or a prayer request, we're going to let you do that. We don't have an altar call here. We just let people decide right where they are. 
uh, what they want to do with, with the things said in this lesson. Maybe there's a decision you need to make. Make it this morning. We're going to sing a song. Let give you time to fill out that card. Then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our regular contribution. So let's pray and, and we'll get to that. Father, thank you for being, having such a friend in Christ. Thank you for caring enough, wanting to be with us so much that you would come in the flesh and walk amongst us. But not just walk amongst us, you would eat with us, you would listen to us, you would watch us, and you would sacrifice your own son's life for us. Father, we can't begin. It's hard to put in words how grateful we are. Thank you for for wanting to be with us, Father. Thank you, Father, for, for wanting the best in us. You do know what you're talking about, and we know what your, your motive is to bring out the best to help us. Lord, we pray that you'll help us be the kind of friends with those that are right now struggling, that are, that are lost around us, Lord. Help us be the kind of friend that, that people would, in their, in their effort to criticize us and say we're friends of tax collectors and sinners, that we can take that, Father, as a compliment because we're being like your son. Father, I pray that some of us here don't have a friend that really makes us better. We need a redemptive friend, Father. And I pray, Father, that all of us here can say we have that. If not, that you will provide that. But, Father, most of all, help us be that friend to those around us, whether they're saved sinners or lost sinners, wherever we are. Father, we pray that you'll deepen our friendships and from them we become more like your son Christ. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.